welcome to Oh, I Like That, a podcast about things we like and occasionally things we don't. I'm Rachel Wilkerson-Miller. And I'm Sally Tamarkin. And I've been thinking about all of the things that I think Oh, I Like That listeners should be called, and I want to mm-hmm. run some of them by you. As you okay. know, I've been using <laughs> Likeheads. Mm-hmm. Vaddies. Okay. And Not how great. Are, it's, it's like... It's. I think it sounds better out loud than it would sound or would look written out. But yeah, how do you even write that down? Right, because I'm I'm hearing it a little bit like zaddies or daddies, which is actually kind of fun and funny. That's interesting. So potential. What what else do you have? Likers. I think that's too generic. It's too generic. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I'm being honest, those are the only two I thought of. Okay, I have but- one a, a spontaneous thought, which is something like. Ollie's or oh. sort of like kind of the acronym, but like not exactly. Yeah. I mean, we could also just like keep it really kind of keep it really basic and do like the O hive. Mm. Like hive. <laughs> that hive? Yeah. Mm. Okay. We, okay. We got <laughs> I mean, we have some workshop ideas. here. Yeah, yeah. We have some things to workshop. I definitely thought it would be good radio for us to talk about it on air. Mm-hmm. Without any preparation or anything like that, I think that's none you know, whatsoever. Why not make it like an, an improv challenge? I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening to our improv exercise. <laughs> so Rachel, what's the vibe? The vibe is like a good spring Saturday. I'm looking out. The tree in the courtyard is blooming. I'm wearing my new monochromatic sweatsuit, which is a pale yellow, which feels like a nice spring color. Just like you know, a, it's a good vibe. It's a it's a soft Saturday spring vibe. Yeah, soft Saturday spring you? vibe. Same. I mean, same soft Saturday spring vibe. I'm wearing a, a, I, I too I feel am dressed for a delightful spring day. It's a bit, bit of a clown shirt, bunch of different colored <laughs> stripes, but it just it you know it's big and flowy, which feels right. Mm-hmm. A couple other vibe things to mention. One is that I just got through like three to four weeks of just a lot of things that had to be handled and gotten through. Mm-hmm. And being on the other side of that feels so good. I mm-hmm. I feel like I'm invincible. I could fly. Like it's great. That's it's just amazing. Great mm-hmm. The other important vibe thing is that the playoffs, the National Basketball Association playoffs have begun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the – Philadelphia 76ers are going to be playing later today, as are the Memphis Grizzlies, who I also really like. So I'm going to be watching some basketball because that's my new personality. So Mm -hmm. some of these games are going to be – actually, probably like all of them will be nationally televised. Do you think Mm. that you'll – your Brooklyn Nets are playing the Boston Celtics, for example. Do you think you'll watch any of these games? I mean, as you may know, I hate the Celtics, and this is based entirely on one three-part – 30 for 30 that had me in a rage by the end about the Celtics. So knowing that, I think I'm more inclined to watch. However, if we lose the Celtics, that could really upend my weekend. Again, this is entirely based on that one documentary and has nothing to do with the current season or anyone on either team. This is based on the Lakers-Celtics feud. But yeah, I think I'd put it on. Nice. Yeah. I mean, the the best way to form opinions about sports, I think, is to just pick one detail, become totally obsessed with it. It can be completely unrelated mm-hmm. to the team or the sport as it is today, but just have mm-hmm. that be your guiding light. 
yes, I'm furious about things that happened 30 to 40 years ago. And honestly, I feel like that's in line with sports fans. You, you They're petty. They hang on to things. They hold grudges. It doesn't matter when it happened. These things, you know, they outlive you. So I think it's fine for me to hate them based on, you know, something that happened many, many, many years ago before I think I was even born. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Hold a grudge. Uh, it should be as petty as possible. I, for example, like have a really hard time with the Nets because they have an anti-vaxxer. But mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what, Rachel? So do the Sixers now. So Ooh, well. why <laughs> I can't I can no longer uh and in fact, like let me just say quickly, like Kyrie Irving famously not willing to be vaccinated and has taken a very principled stand against I guess you could I guess you could say that he's against mandates and not vaccines, but he's very clearly against vaccines. I'm like making the jerk off motion right now. I want everyone listening to know that, but continue. We we all are in spirit. (laughs) Uh, The player on the Sixers, whose name is Matisse Thibel, is like, you know, I got the first shot and then I learned that it wouldn't prevent me from getting or spreading COVID. And I figured in that case, there was nothing the vaccine could do for me that I couldn't really do for myself with alternative medicine. So I didn't get the next shot. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's <laughs> now that's a lot to parse. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh Toronto, being uh a sensible place in mm-hmm. the world, has made it so that you can't enter the country if you're unvaccinated. Oh, interesting. Which okay. Means, yeah, which means that if any athletes are going to play against a team in Mm -hmm. Toronto, uh, in Canada, unless they're vaccinated, they won't be able to play. It just so happens that we are entering a playoff series with the Toronto Raptors. Mm -hmm. And Matisse Theibel, who is pretty important to our team, can't play in some of the games that will take place in Canada. And now, Kyrie Irving had this problem in Brooklyn until very Uh recently. And his whole thing is like, I'm taking a principled stance. Granted, it is the most morally bankrupt principled stance one right. can take, or among the most. Right. But Matisse also, Bible like, does- Sorry, I'm just really stuck on the like, I'm against mandates, not vaccines. And it's like, well, then why don't you just get the vaccine of your own free will if you're not against vaccines, but you don't want it to be mandated? Like, I, here, sir, a loophole. Like, here's a workaround for you if you want to be vaccinated. Sounds like you just don't want to be vaccinated. Right. That's anyway, exactly continue. the thing. Yes. I mean, th- these these principled stances uh, are very – are like full of holes. Mm-hmm. The thing about Matisse Theibel is that he's not even – he doesn't even really sound that committed to not getting the vaccine. He's just right. like, I'm, I'm misinformed and so I decided <laughs> not to deal. And like that's it. And it's like – he said he can't see a benefit to it. And it's like, sir, the benefit would be you could play with your team. That's I mean, the, besides that's, all of the medical benefits. Right. Like if you don't know about the medical benefits, like just being able to do your job at an exciting time, like and be a part of your team, like that's that seems like a genuine material benefit of getting the vaccine. You're halfway there. Just You're halfway there. Keep with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like wild to me that for someone who's like, eh, I just figured I could use alternative medicine. That doesn't seem I can I can understand Kyrie being like, it's against everything I believe in. Again, jerk off motion. And yeah. that's why he's not getting it. But for someone to just be like, eh, it's like, so why don't you just get it if you're so eh about it, you know? Wild. That's just huh. I just a, a big huh to that. Yeah, but okay, I know, I know. well, 
that I don't know, again, after watching all these sports documentaries, I'm like, the whole thing is like, we're a team and we look out for each other. And it's really important that we have our guys and our heads are in the game. And it's like, so you're just gonna say, fuck it. And I'm not gonna be there because I'm too misinformed to do a small thing that would allow me and everyone else to flourish. Okay. To that I say, okay. I know. To that I say, okay. There's really no, and that's like one of my, I won't even call it irrational, but one of my really strong, intense takes about sports is that like any team with an anti-vaxxer, like I'm just done with you. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, then the chickens came home to roost because we have one on our team, but I'm done with him. He's dead to me. And he was previously my favorite player. I had a jersey of his, which I immediately sold. That's But anyway, yeah, it's (laughs) tough. So the vibe- the vibe is playoffs and being really angry at at anti-vaxxers. Okay, so that's uh, my ba- those are my basketball vibes. Okay, we have some housekeeping. Yes, we have one quick announcement, which is that our next episode we're going to do an AMA or I guess an AUA. Ask us anything, and we would like you to submit questions. So. Again, it's ask us anything. We maybe won't answer it if you ask us something super weird and inappropriate, but like this is a place for normal questions. It could be about like journalism and our, our careers or interests or things we haven't talked about on the show yet or things we referenced once and you'd like to ask more about. So you can send all of your burning questions. The easiest way is to our email account, which is oh, I like that pod at gmail.com. But you could also like you could message either of us on Twitter, you can message the show on Twitter, or Instagram get at us however you'd like, but we will be recording that. When you're hearing this episode, like get it in right away because we'll be recording within the week. So send those over. Yes. Send us your questions. I'm really excited to see what people ask. Feel free to also ask weird or relevant things such as like, oh, like some would you rathers or something like that. Okay. I, you, I will say you are welcome to do that, but I personally hate would you rather. I hate do it. Do not <laughs> do not send us would you rather's. But you what about like um other weird hypotheticals? That's fine. That's totally okay. fine. Yeah. Cool. Um when I was a kid growing up, we had a book called The Book of Questions. And I think I like I think I have a copy of it now because it's, you know, an essential part of my childhood that I want to sure. sometimes reference back to. And it's just just what it sounds like, a bunch of questions that are there's some would you rather's in there, but they're mostly just like weird hypotheticals and sort of those, you know, the the 36 questions that lead to love. There's a little bit of those and that kind of stuff uh, in there. Okay. Just like if you could, you know, have lunch with anyone living or dead, who would it be? Those kinds of things. So yeah, book of questions style questions are welcome. Yes. Okay. That's better. Don't send us would you rathers. Send us book of questions style questions or anything you want. Anything at all. Great. Anything at all. Okay, great. So uh, let's move right along to our main segment, which I'm excited Mm -hmm. about. Rachel, will you take it away? Yes. So our episode today is inspired by a book that I received as a birthday gift last summer from my friends Tom and Danny, and it is called The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. And when I opened this gift and like read about this book, I felt so seen in a way that I was like, oh my God, how did how did I not know about this? And how did you perfectly choose something for me? I was so touched by it. So the the core idea. So Roske is a poet, which already that's going to sort of change how wonderful this book is and make it even better. He is a poet. And on his birthday, he decided to challenge himself to write down a delight every single day. And he, as he explains it in the first chapter, he didn't write a delight every single day, but he did it like every few days and and over time 
had a bunch of them that he collected. And it's not just like writing one thing down. It's like he's written a mini essay about all of these different delights that he's noticed. And that's what the book is. It's just this collection of his delights and observations. And as such, it is very delightful. But he's also a black man living in America. So it's not all just like, I saw a, you know, a pretty flower today. Like there's also there are delights that are still rooted in the experience of racism or the other dark things that are going on around us at any given time. So I think it does a really good job of blending uh, really lovely uh, sort of small observations with the more grounded and serious stuff. And the the collection as a whole is like genuinely delightful to read because again, he's a poet. So if he's talking about seeing a praying mantis, he's going to do it so much better than the rest of us would. So our, that was our inspiration for today's episode. We've been observing some delights over the past couple of weeks and we wanted to share them. Yeah. And I just want to say like a thing that I love about the book, which I read like a third of because that's as much as I could read before the library like recalled it. But um, <laughs> but not beca- not but I just say that not to say like because I didn't want to read it. I was really enjoying it. The thing I liked so much about it is that it delights are really distinct from writing down things you're like like a gratitude list, which it seems like mm-hmm. maybe they would be one in the same. But the thing about gratitude lists that makes me really angry is that sometimes you're like, I don't feel grateful right now. Like I understand that technically I like quote unquote should feel grateful. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when you are in the mindset where someone recommends maybe a gratitude list would help, that's the mindset where the last thing you can sort of conjure up and feel is gratitude and gratefulness. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like a lot of pressure. It's like, no, I don't want to feel, you know, like, no, I don't Mm -hmm. feel grateful right now. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Like (laughs) I'm, I'm feel, I'm feeling bad and I get to feel bad. But with delights, I feel like, you know, for me anyway, I would have to actively fight against being delighted by things. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I just think it, it sort of happens as opposed Mm -hmm. to sitting there and being like, oh man, okay, fine. What's the thing I'm thankful for? Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's, and maybe that's kind of related to what you were saying, Rachel, about like how the things he's talking about are very grounded in Mm -hmm. the reality of Mm -hmm. his life. I think that's right. And I think also, I think you pointed this out when we first started talking about this, that once you've given yourself this assignment, you start to notice the delights more and more, like you're sort of looking for them and you're spotting them. And I think that is also what separates them from making a gratitude list. It's like you you can't necessarily like curate a list of delights in a given moment. You just have to like wait for them to come to you and keep a lookout for them. And I think that's a really nice exercise. So a great book. And I, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed looking for delights over the past couple of weeks. Although I will say it's been a rough couple of weeks in the world. It's not the easiest thing to do when, when things are really bad. Yeah. it's But I think that kind of gets at the essential nature of delights is that they can be really small and very transient, but they really, really pop out, especially Mm -hmm. when things feel really dark because Mm -hmm. there's just sort of no denying that, for example, I think some of the things we're about to talk about, they will just bring you a moment of delight no matter what is going on. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Completely. Completely agree. All right. With that, let's get into it. Do you want to kick us off with your first delight? Yeah. I'm going to just get my basketball one out of the way. So, Rachel, the Philadelphia 76ers have a song that is played in the arena whenever they win. It's the victory song. Shout out to friend of the show, Caroline, and her husband, Dan, who introduced me to the song. Uh, Dan is a longtime 76ers fan. I'm going to play the song for you. 
because I, I feel like you need to hear it to appreciate it. Okay, this is a, this is I am delighted. I'm it's not so even good, a sick right? person and I am delighted by this. Yeah. Did they hire the schoolhouse rock people to make this? It sounds like it, right? It feels. It feels and like the YouTube video looks that way too. Yeah. So how long did you listen to it? Like 30 seconds? Yeah, like 32 or 34 okay. seconds. Yeah. It gets even more delightful. It has a very old school sound to it. Like it noted. really does. I promise you, you will be rewarded if you go listen to the song on YouTube. We'll put a link in the show notes. The video is also really fun. So that in and of itself is a delight. But Mm -hmm. what's really delightful that I want to share with you is we have a player named Tyrese Maxey who is Mm -hmm. really, really good. He's also like constantly smiling and is just kind of adorable in every way. Mm -hmm. And at a press conference, he recently, earlier in the season, was sitting there looking over at the the sheet that they give the players to do their post-game press conference that has all the stats from the game. And he started just kind of idly singing it to himself. Mm. And I'm going to send you that clip. And we'll also link to this in the show notes. Hey, everybody. <laughs> y'all know the song? Y'all want to sing? Why y'all always so serious? All right, oh, my God. <laughs> That's really cute. Isn't that cute? Okay, now it's really cute. this is the final installment. I'm going to send you another okay. link which again, we'll put in the show notes. This is Tyrese Maxey being interviewed by an NBC Philadelphia anchor. Okay. And and, he, and he's basically like, so I hear people in Philly are always shouting at you to sing the song. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, it happens a lot. And then he sings much more of the song. So okay, check that out. On. Yeah, yeah. Wait, people legit have come up to you on the streets in Philly? Yeah, like, or they saw me, like, I've maybe been driving, like, like with the windows down or walking my dog or something like that, and they were like, what's up, Tyrese, hey, you, uh, can you sing the song? I'm like, I can't just bust out singing the song. I gotta, I'm not that type of great, that great of a singer. Clap your hands, everybody from Philadelphia, 76ers. This is so everybody. cute. From Philadelphia, 76ers. <laughs> this is a great song. It's such a good song, right? It's really good. I would love to know more about how it, who wrote like who, it. Like, yeah, it's it's really good. There's something about the way they say Philadelphia that's like incredibly satisfying. That's what I always say. I whenever I sing it, I emphasize that part because I say I was saying to Andrea, it sounds like Philadelphia ends with a Y A. The way they yes, say it, Philadelphia. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Tyrese Maxey, in and of himself is really mm-hmm. delightful. He's like, mm-hmm. he's really good at basketball. He's really fast. He's always like dashing up and down and running after everyone. He's really young. Like he just turned 21. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's got a baby face. He looks young. He's, yeah. He's got a baby face. And like, there's something about his presence where even when he's like getting a call, he doesn't like, he looks like he's just having the time of his life. And that's just like delightful energy. It is. And then him singing the song is just like so 
there's just such a complete lack of self-consciousness and Mm -hmm. in a way that is not performative somehow, which I feel like is a mm-hmm. really hard balance to strike. So it's it's just delightful. And it's it's occasionally I'll just be like, you know what, let me go and watch that clip of Tyrese Maxey singing the song. And I do. So mm-hmm. that is my first delight. That's a great one. What a good way to kick things off. That song is going to be in my head, but not in a bad way. I genuinely really like it. It's very charming. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay, Rachel, what is your first delight? Okay, my first delight is the only brand that is doing it well and in the world. And that is a brand called Old World Christmas. And that is, I'm talking about their emails because I love them. So Old World Christmas sells Christmas ornaments. I Beautiful Christmas ornaments. I came across them when I Googled like bird Christmas ornaments last December. And they're on the more expensive side. It's about $18 per ornament. But they're – I don't know how you describe these ornaments that look like puffy glass that are often like different objects mm-hmm. and they just have a really big selection. And so I bought a I, – I can't remember what bird I bought to kick things off. And it was so much more beautiful in person than I ever expected. They just like – they have the perfect amount of glitter and like the colors are really nice and they're a little bit smaller than you'd expect, which I actually think makes them more beautiful because they feel a bit like a miniature where you're like, oh, this is so charming. So I I, I can't remember which ones – I what bird I ordered, but I got a Brussels sprout. Maybe I got a wood duck for my girlfriend because that's what she likes. And we got the Brussels sprout. And then she got me a couple as a surprise a couple months ago. So we've just been sort of like quietly collecting them. That's So Old World Christmas is great. Highly recommend them for all your Christmas ornament needs. However, their their marketing emails are just so wholesome and so nice. And the day that I added them to this list was April 1st because it was April Fool's Day, which as everyone knows is a terrible day on the internet and brands are doing the dumbest shit that nobody wants. And They're the only brand whose April Fool's Day prank, and I use the term loosely, I recognize, because they sent out an email and the subject line was Merry Christmas, which, you know, that was the whole gag. And then inside they had a bunch of prank-themed ornaments. It was like chattering teeth and a rubber chicken and just all these sort of like silly – and I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. And – you know, that was like a one-off, but I, I find I open every single email they send just to see what ornaments. So it'll just, I'm going to, I'm, I'm looking through my, I'm looking through my emails right now from them. And one, Sally, you'll like this one. We've got the hops for hoops from mid-March <laughs> and they're just showing different, the madness is upon us. So we've got a hoodie from a specific school, a Michigan state pennant, a basketball ornament, a mug of beer, a bag of chips, just like they're so well curated. They have great ornaments. They also have sent out a couple emails. It's like, what ornaments do you want to see? Like, let us know. And I'm just like, I'm going to really think on that. And I'm going to let you know, because I feel like you'll hear me out and take it seriously. I love I love their vibe. I don't want to find out anything about them that is cancelable because everything so far has been delightful. Yeah, let's stay in the dark about everything about them because it it is it is delightful. Merry Christmas on April 1st is the only acceptable prank anyone has ever pulled in the entire it's world. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because no one it's it's a victimless non-crime. It's, <laughs> it's it can only delight you. Yes. And it's awesome like you know, there are brands who have entire social media teams who try to figure out how to send delightful emails and tweets and stuff. And like they wish they could be old world Christmas because they really do. They're they're crushing it. You forwarded me a couple emails before and it's just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get these every whatever it is every week and I'm going to mm-hmm. open them every single time. Yeah. Am I going to buy an ornament every single time? No, because I can't afford that. But what, am I going to look at them every single time? And when when the right ornament comes to my inbox, am I going to? I absolutely am. Also, I just want to point out the blog section of their site is called the Yule Blog. 
Oh, that's just good. That's just good. It's really good. You know, I'm thinking about the Christmas movie episode that we did and we were talking, you know, the whole thing is like she works in this Christmas store and it's Christmas all the time. And we were like, get out of here. This is ridiculous. But but I'm I'm realizing like, oh, this is this is what they if this is what they were producing, that changes everything. It it really does. I was also thinking that we should always do an episode where we watch Christmas movies, but they should mm. always just be that movie. It should just always be I <laughs> like can't the remember annual, yeah, yeah, just uh, over and over again. under the Christmas tree. I think, under the yeah, Christmas we, tree. yeah, our we just rewatch it every year with a new <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a new lens on it and see how it holds up. Totally, I'm into it. All right, that is my first delight. What is your next one? My next one is a thing that happened to me. I can't. I. I it's so hard to remember when things have happened, but within the last year, I was somewhere out in public and a security guard. I said good morning or hi to them, and they said good morning, precious one. And wow, like <laughs> I, when an older person calls you like sweetheart or mm-hmm. baby or honey, it's fine. It's yeah. like great. It feels mm-hmm. like I'm being hugged. But mm-hmm. precious one was that is like God tier affectionate nickname, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I. My heart almost exploded. I <laughs> I was just like, hi. It was it was the loveliest moment. Wow. And Man, it's like it's really nice. It's so nice. It's like this person made a choice to use I mean, the word precious is just so special. And mm-hmm. it I've never felt more loved in my entire life than when a absolutely random stranger who I would never mm-hmm. see again mm-hmm. in my life called me precious one. So that that's is, amazing. that's my next delight. I think what's delightful about it too is like, I believe they meant it. Like they do think that, you're precious. They think, right. they do think that. And that's what's so nice about it. That's the thing is like, you don't use the word precious unless you mean it. Mm-mm. I completely agree. You know, like you might say like honey or sweetheart when you don't mean it. Cause that's maybe just what you say, but precious, like you mean it. Ah, oh, it was great. It was delightful. That is really great. What about you? What what you got next? Okay. Mine is a YouTube video that I came across because it was just on my YouTube homepage. The name of it is Backyard Squirrel Maze 1.0 Ninja Warrior (laughs) Course. Oh, my God. This video has 92 million views. And Um, it's by a YouTuber named Mark Rober, who I had never heard of before. But again, 92 million people had. And he's been on like Jimmy Kimmel. And like I think he's like fairly known, but I had never heard of him. So – I don't even know how to explain this video except like this guy is a former NASA engineer who I would describe as like a true inventor, like in a cartoon sort of way. Like he really likes building weird robots to do silly things and making YouTube videos about it. And so the idea of this was it started with the idea of the squirrels keep getting into my bird feeder. And we're like, this is a this is a, you know, this is a backyard problem. This is a known thing. And he was like, so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to create a challenge for them. Like I'm, I don't want them to get to my bird feeder, but if they can overcome all of my little tests, then they can get to the bird feeder, and I allow it. And so he set up. It's not a Rube Goldberg machine, but it has that energy. I mean, the video is called Ninja Warrior Course, and that's that's what this is, and it is so in depth and so wild because again, he understands physics and and can build robots, and is just like operating on a different plane. And it has a bit of the like Bill Nye scientist, but also like a younger, just like a younger kind of like a millennial version. So I think we we put it on and we're kind of like, we'll see about this because I think I have an aversion to like anyone who's making 
shit for YouTube, quite honestly. Like I was like, this is going to be silly. And then we were just like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I'm so invested. It's so funny. He, it's, it's just really voicey. And again, he's taking it so seriously, but also it's a squirrel maze. It's not that serious. So the other thing you learned from watching this is squirrels are incredibly smart. Like they very, very quickly learn to get through each of these steps of the maze, which is like a video game. It's like the bricks on the wall are shifting in and out and they figure it out. And like, it's just wild. So there's also a second part. I'll link to both of them because after that one, he was like, okay, I'm going to do it again. And this one has like a sort of a whole heist theme. So he's also in building these things. He's making like sort of little props to make it even sillier. Like there's a moment where it like it mimics Mission Impossible where the like the the Tom Cruise like drops down from the ceiling. Like it is, again, the most in-depth, absolutely ridiculous thing I've ever seen, but in the best possible way. Yeah, I just really quickly brought up the second one. I just Googled in Backyard Squirrel Maze 2.0, the walnut heist is the one that came up. And it it's in a huge, big backyard with like yes. large structures. Like this man has built- He's built so many things. A lot of things. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I didn't know squirrels were this smart. I didn't either. I'm already impressed. And I just want to say shout out to your to the YouTube algorithm because I, I feel like most people- on their YouTube suggested videos are like have to do with fascism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like for yeah. no matter what I watch that they're always like, do you want to watch this video about joining like a militia? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm really psyched that you got a squirrel one and this is fucking amazing. Oh my it's, God. It's really, really incredible. I, I don't think you will regret watching it in full and you will be fully invested in, in it and cheering for the squirrels and wanting them to get the nuts at the end. It was it was such a delight. It was so fun. 92 million people can't be wrong. That's that's what I'm saying. I was like, okay. There's another one where he tries to build the world's largest t-shirt cannon to like shoot a t-shirt to the upper level of a stadium. Like this guy is... He's got big dreams and, again, has a mind that I'm like, you understand physics and science and robotics in a way that is genuinely so impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, the the YouTube stunt shit, I'll allow it when it's a NASA scientist. That's exactly how it feels. That's exactly yeah. how it feels. I'm like, you're the only one who can do yeah, this because yeah. this is this is actually fun and you're not super annoying about it. Totally. Yeah. All right. right. What's your next one? Okay. My next one I think is going to be – I was out for a walk with my partner the other day and – someone rode by playing their – you know how sometimes people ride bicycles and they have a Bluetooth speaker and they're mm-hmm, just like blasting mm-hmm. music? Yeah. I hate to sound like a bummer and <laughs> and a, a boomer, but I sort of feel like because it's a behavior that if everyone did it, there would mm-hmm. be anarchy and pandemonium, not the mm-hmm. good kind of anarchy. It's kind of an antisocial behavior. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's like who cares? It's not right. really – it's not yeah. really a damaging antisocial behavior. Mm-hmm. So I was getting ready to be sort of annoyed, mm-hmm. but he was playing Katy Perry's Roar. Mm-hmm. And that, listen, like you're out for a walk in the middle of the day. That's just what you want to hear. And I yeah. also really liked the incongruity of the guy on the bicycle. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, bicyclists, Rachel, they mm-hmm. look tough. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen bike messengers before, but yeah, they don't, n- not to stereotype, but they don't look like they're going to be blasting a Katy Perry, the Katy Perry song roar. And this yeah. guy was, and yeah, it was a delight with a capital D. That's really delightful. That's a, a good surprise. Again, if you're going to blast music that we all can hear, can it at least be something we can all agree on? That's really nice. Yeah. I mean, we were singing along and like dancing across the street and I don't think we were the only ones. 
What do you got, Rachel? Okay. I told myself going into this that I wasn't only going to be delighted by birds because that just feels – what is this podcast except me being delighted by birds every week, I swear. I'm really pushing my pro-bird agenda here. But that went out the window when I saw this pair of mallard ducks last week that were so beautiful. We walked to WNYC Transmitter Park hoping to see some birds. It had been a little while since we'd had a proper Knox walk with the binoculars. And I was like, I want to see ducks. We're going to the water. And you couldn't necess- you couldn't like see them from – like if you looked out at the water, you wouldn't see them. But we got close enough that they were like on the rocks that line the shore if you were kind of looking at it um, perpendicular. And they just – first we just saw the male mallard and we're like, this is wonderful. Great. Love it. It was also – I got a new camera lens. I got a telephoto lens. And so I was able to get some really Ooh. nice photos of him. And then we realized there was a female duck not far. And I feel like, first of all, mallards are kind of like, oh, this is like, this is the standard model duck. You don't really think about that much, but they are so beautiful. The way their head glistens, that green is incredible in person. They've got the most orange feet. They're just like, uh, I mean, there's many hot ducks, but I feel like mallards, underrated. But the female mallards, because they're mostly brown or even more underrated, again, it's like, oh, a brown duck, but they most of them have like a bit of teal on their wing, this like really oh. beautiful blue spot. So we got really like we could see her blue spot. And then the way the female feathers look, they look like a leopard print. Like they're really Whoa. beautifully detailed in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. They're like modeled almost, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Just like a really gorgeous pattern. But it's that bit of blue with the like kind of like a white around it that is so nice. So I I like was so delighted. It was a beautiful spring day. I think it had been raining that week too when this like leading up to this. And it was like, we're in New York City standing at the East River. And yet here are these two ducks that are just standing out here for a very long time and let us letting us take photos of them. It was so nice. I love that. Do you think they were a couple? I think they might have been a couple. I, I'm wondering if it's the same ones we've seen there before flying. I've never seen them that close or been able to get pictures, but we were there fairly recently and we saw them flying overhead. So my guess is they were a couple, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to make any assumptions about their relationship, what they're into, et cetera. Yeah, don't make assumptions, but I like the idea that they were on a date and they let you just kind of like hang out with them. Yeah, it was really it was generous of them. I really appreciated that they let me take some pictures. That's awesome. Uh, ducks That's rule. I I really like ducks because sometimes birds are a little bit too reminiscent of dinosaurs, and they freak mm-hmm. me out because they got the mm-hmm. pointy beak and they have those feet. Mm-hmm. But a duck is sort of like to me, it's like a cuter version because it has bill a bill, which is like has mm-hmm. a rounder, softer thing, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it has, its feet are like webbed and cute as opposed to mm-hmm. terrifying dinosaur talons. So Agree. I just in general am really pro-duck. Have we talked on the show about how ducks can change their gender? Oh, shit. No. You you and I texted okay. about it, I think. But yeah, we should I'm definitely gonna, I want to share this because this is like a sub-genre of delights and of ducks that I want to share. So it is a, it is a fairly long I'm looking at a BBC article about this right now it's sort of hard to explain in great scientific detail so I'm going to link to it so anyone who's interested can read more but the core takeaway is that if a female duck has a problem with their ovary like if it dies or if they have some kind of infection or they're injured they it they're no more they're not producing estrogen anymore it just stops and it basically without the estrogen they start like they start growing male plumage and they are female ducks, but they look like male ducks. And 
I'm just like, wow, as everyone's railing about like transgender people were just invented five years ago, which is like flatly untrue. It's also incredible to see in nature how malleable all of these things are and how they can happen. And yeah, ducks are sometimes trans. Ducks are just doing it. And when you sent me that link, I was just like, my my respect for ducks could already tower no higher because like <laughs> like what I was saying about their cute webbed feet and their cute bills, mm-hmm. but also their plumage is really beautiful. And so they, beautiful. And they float, like they just float, you know? And I was like, ducks mm-hmm. rule. And then you showed me that and I was like, ducks. It's about ducks. That's what, that's yeah. what, thank, thank you to nature for making ducks. I completely agree. What have you got for your next one? So as I was making my list, I realized, and you you did too, Rachel, you noticed that I have a bunch of coffee-related delights. And so I'm just going to like string them all together really quick. The first one is I went to a coffee shop nearby that I really like, and the barista walked out and was like, hey, Sally. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They know my name. They know my name. <laughs> and the thing that was really cool about this is that I've been going there probably for like a year, but it's a coffee shop that since the pandemic started, they've made it so you can't go in. They put three mm. tables kind of in a U shape. Mm-hmm. And you you can you order online and it they're just like I, I, I love the commitment to like the workers are safe, you know, safe mm-hmm. as they can be from the pandemic. Right. And you have to wear a mask even though it's outside when you're getting your coffee. I just really love that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the barista knew my name it's, it's, you know, it's not a coffee shop where like I've been going and sitting inside and hanging out for hours and like, that's how they know me. So that, Mm -hmm. that was just like a delight, like just being known by someone you don't expect to be known by Mm -hmm. delight. Second coffee related thing. I'd only realized recently that piping hot coffee doesn't taste as good as coffee that has cooled off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it tastes better when it has cooled off. Like you can just taste more. So coffee that is the exact right temperature. And, you know, it, you, it, it sort of becomes like in, an instinct where mm-hmm. you, you wait the exact right amount of time and your coffee is the right temperature. And that first mm-hmm. sip of coffee, that is the temperature where it's still hot, but not so hot that you don't get as much flavor, a delight. Mm-hmm. Last coffee thing probably the most delightful out of these three delights is the first cup of coffee after a fast. So Mm. whether or not you're fasting, you know, for a religious reason, like I might do on Yom Kippur or fasting for a medical thing, the first sip of coffee after a fast is the most, I mean, the first bite of food is also amazing, but it's really the cup of coffee that just like, i feel like I'm having a kind of ecstatic religious experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, those are my three, my three coffee related delights. And I just, I don't think it gets better than like, for me, the pinnacle of delight is going to be a coffee delight. That makes total sense. There are so many coffee delights that I, I didn't include any because I was like trying to sort of think of others outside of my you know, everyday routine. But for me, the coffee delight is like the steam coming off the coffee Mm -hmm. when you first pour it. And then if you add creamer to it, like, oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Man. Yeah. Coffee is a gift. Like, like ducks, coffee is a gift from the universe. (laughs) I think that's right. What do you have next? Okay. So I'm going to do two tweets that are not related, but I'm going to talk about them together because the first one is a Twitter thread that is a delight. And I can't tell you why because 
you need to go into it knowing nothing about it. And the person writing it the whole time is like, don't look it up. Don't don't like don't look into any of this. Like I want you to I want the end to be a surprise. So we will link to that. But it just it starts with a I'll just read the first tweet. The first tweet is I have a vitally important story to tell you. Not a mystery. Just a story about this guy. His name was John Arbuthnot Fisher, first Baron Fisher, although he went by Jackie as barons are wont to do. I had no idea where it was going. You won't either unless you already know about this guy, um, but I highly recommend it. It is a delightful thread. So that's one tweet. And then the other tweet that is completely unrelated is um, Alison Green tweeted it. Alison Green is Ask a Manager. This is from a comment that was left on her blog, and this is so fucking delightful. I'm just going to read the comment. I actually don't even know what it was in response to, but it doesn't matter. The commenter writes, this is why for every vacation for years, I've told my coworkers I'm camping. Everyone has poor boundaries when it comes to time off, and people frequently join Zoom calls from vacation. They all think I am this big camping person. I have never camped in my life. I worry that one day we'll hire someone who is super into camping and will try to talk to me about it, and I'll be caught in my lie, but it hasn't happened yet. We tend to go to outdoorsy places, so if they ask to see pictures, I show them a picture of me and my husband on a hike. They don't need to know that we're staying at the Holiday Inn with full internet access. That is amazing. That person is goaded. Perfect. It's so funny. I'm so delighted by it. And people need to have better boundaries. If you um, weren't weird about people joining in Zoom calls on vacation, she wouldn't need to pretend to be a camper. But right. I think it's, I just thought it was so funny. We all wouldn't have to lie and say that we're like spelunking. <laughs> right. Well, I look forward to checking that out. All right. So, Sally, that is the end of my list. What is the last thing on your list of delights? Okay. Here is a delight that you, you can try to bring about yourself, but mm-hmm. it isn't really fully in your hands, so it doesn't always mm-hmm. work. But when it does, oh boy, is it a delight. So getting to the doctor's office early, being mm-hmm. called in early, and then mm-hmm. being done and leaving by the time your appointment was supposed to start. Ooh, ooh, that's like – that also – this is the most you-specific delight I can think of. Like, uh, like I couldn't design a better delight for you, but – it is so rare. It is so exceedingly rare that I'm just shocked it actually. It feels like an urban legend. I know. It is so rare. And if when it happens, it is truly – it's like – what's that expression that's like success is 20% perspiration and – or no, 80% perspiration and 20% inspiration or something? Did I – is that the saying? Like I just make that up. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Some, something. It's like <laughs> it's that but plus like 90% God – making things work out for you or the planet being like tilted on the right axis. Mm -hmm. So it's rare. But when it happens, oh boy, is it great. And like you said, it's the most me delight one can can think of. Yeah. My last one, we have this kitten named Manny. And Mm -hmm. I found him when I was out on a walk. I'm certain I've told this story 50 times on the (laughs) podcast. We found him when he was eight weeks old or 10 weeks old. He was really skinny and dirty and scared and tiny and so cute. We brought him home. And so, Rachel, you're not really a cat person. You're more of a dog person. I'm not opposed to cats. I just like don't have a ton of firsthand experience with cats. So I don't know. Are you aware about how of how cats need? Mm -mm. So cats do this thing that some people call making biscuits where Mm. when they're getting comfortable and about to sit down, they need the area. Mm. And apparently it goes back to when they're nursing, they need their Mm. mother's belly and it Mm. stimulates milk production is what I've read online. Mm -hmm. And it's a behavior that from what I understand from reading online, it 
it is a thing they do when they're feeling happy and relaxed. Mm, and okay. it's really cute. Manny did this thing when we brought him home when he was a really young kitten where he would need like in the air and as he mm-hmm. walked. And I, mm. I've never seen a cat need a non-soft surface. I've never mm. seen a cat need other than when they're like getting ready to sit down. And mm-hmm. the fact that he would need as he walked was just so precious because it's like a, he's expressing relaxation and comfort and kind of like connectedness, which mm-hmm. was really sweet because he was str- astray and seeing mm-hmm. him feel safe and relaxed. Mm-hmm was possibly the most delightful. I feel like I've said everything in this list is the most delightful delight I've ever delighted. But mm-hmm. um, Manny kneading in the air, and he sometimes does it when he's laying down. He puts his paws mm. out and he kneads in the air. And it's it's just the sweetest, most delightful thing. And I think that it's the closest I come to understanding parents who mm. are like, you don't you experience a new kind of love when you have a child. Mm-hmm. You, you, your heart ascends to another <laughs> level of being able to feel love. That, that's how I feel mm-hmm. when Manny needs the air. It's just such a delight. That's so cute. That's a really good one. It's really sweet. <laughs> Do we have any more delights? I mean, we could probably go on and on, but I think that's the delights for our show for today. Yeah, that's good for now. Okay, cool. In that case, it's time for a nice thing to end on. Rachel, what do you got? So my nice thing to end on is that I recently like rediscovered John Oliver. I don't know. I used to watch Last Week Tonight fairly regularly. I don't really know why I fell out of the habit. I think my YouTube algorithm just shifted me toward backyard squirrel mazes and I just forgot about John Oliver. And so I think he just popped back up into my YouTube feed the other day. And so the great thing about this is that I have a whole wealth of old episodes and and segments that I had never seen before. And they are all so good and they are so cathartic to watch. Like I was just, we, I, I, before we recorded, I was watching a bunch and they are on all of the issues that we care about. So there's one about CRT. There's one about homelessness. There's one about prosecutors and um, wrongful convictions and data brokers. And just like there's so many really timely things. But just watching them is just like, wow, yeah, watching somebody just like yell about something and sort of like lay waste to it while explaining it perfectly and also making jokes is just it's really nice. I, I hadn't realized I was missing that in my life. So if you if you too had been sleeping on John Oliver for the past little while, get back into it. It's Again, it's really cathartic and validating to watch. That's such a good specific delight, which is the combination of capturing your thoughts and opinions and maybe rage about a political thing while also mm-hmm. being succinct and funny or succinct mm-hmm. and humorous or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. Yeah. It's like it's, I didn't listen to it as a delight because – well, because in part because I wanted it as a nice thing to end up, but also because like the topics suck. Like this is a it's a real bummer in a lot of ways, but it is it is still a, a way to help process and also to just like get um like if you are if you don't want to read up on all of these topics or you feel overwhelmed by it, it is like they're also presenting you with really clear and memorable examples. So if you're talking to somebody else about it, it's also helpful in that regard. So again, get back into it. It, it was really good. Uh, that's cool. I need to actually get into John Oliver because I've never watched him. I think I always mm. grouped him in with John Stewart, but I mm. I now understand that he's doing a different thing. Like he's on another yeah. level of like analysis and humor because I mm-hmm. every time someone shares something that he's said like online or whatever, I'm like, oh, that's really good. And I feel like, yeah. like you said, that would be a good way to just like absorb information about how dark things are. 
Yeah, I one of the, I would recommend the one on truckers, which is one of the ones we recently watched because it was a topic I didn't really know anything about. And so I think that that might be a good one to start with because it's like you'll get enraged when you're watching it because it's so wild, but you're also going to learn something new. And I feel like that's a little bit better of a place to start than being like, well, yeah, I already knew this thing. Like for you personally, I feel like this would be a good one. So Love I'll it. link to that. But honestly, they're all great. Like put them on while you're doing chores or whatever. And it's like really satisfying. Nice. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to get into that. All right, Sally, what is your nice thing to end on? My nice thing to end on is like arguably maybe not nice in the way that we think of the word <laughs> nice, but the TV show Severance, it is it is a nice experience to watch a really good show. So that's I'm going to say that's why this fits. Mm-hmm. You haven't watched it, right, Rachel? I haven't. Okay. It is on Apple TV Plus. It mm-hmm. is starring Adam Scott and Patricia Arquette, and it's kind of a dystopian – I guess it's sci-fi show. It's kind of one of these puzzle box shows where mm. you don't really know what the fuck is going on. I think mm-hmm. it's really, really well done. Okay. You you get enough about the world that you're invested and you can follow along, but there are definitely some questions that mm. need answering. It's mm-hmm. visually really interesting and it's definitely saying a lot about work and our relationship to work. Mm -hmm. And just briefly, I I will say that what it's about is a technology that allows people to sever their work lives from their out-of-work lives. Mm. So there's a version of you that goes to your job Mm. and does your job. And as soon as you leave work, you become your old self. And Mm. neither self has any knowledge of what the other self is doing. Okay. And it's just like fascinating and so well done and I'm completely obsessed with it. It's like all I think about. I've already okay. watched it twice fully and I'll oh, probably wow. watch okay. it again. Yeah. It's man, it's good. Okay, couple I have a couple questions. Yeah. Um one, I heard it might be one of those shows that's like a little hard to get into at first, or like the first few episodes are slow. Is that true? Um, yeah, it's like I would say that we were immediately intrigued. Okay. Um but I'm a really, really easy sell with anything dystopian. Like okay, it doesn't okay. matter how like bad or slow it is. I'll be into it. Mm-hmm. The thing I would say that maybe makes it a little bit tough in the beginning is that you really are like, what the fucking fuck is going on? Okay. And so you you sort of have to, I think, just know that it's going to pay off. Okay. Soon. It's it's not okay. like just watch the first six episodes, then you'll get into okay. it. It's like, you know, okay. let the like get in like watch the first one and then I think you're you'll be good. Okay. That's helpful. That's really good to know. I feel like a lot of like good sci-fi things also are that way where the like, I don't know, upon rewatching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I'm like, oh my God, I remember why the first time I watched this, I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I feel like that's that's true for a lot of stuff and a lot of Black Mirror as well. So yeah, you know, it's Rachel, it's very Black Mirror esque. Okay, that's, that's that was real, my other question. Is it is that the is that a close That's totally the thing I would compare it to. It's the the episodes of Black Mirror that uh, like nosedive, the one with Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that I would say that is the like a very close, if not the exact vibe. Okay, well that's a that's that's the wreck that I needed. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I love that episode. Okay, amazing. Well, I'm gonna definitely check it out now. Sweet. I yeah. My the other thing is my agenda is I need people I know to watch it because right now I have a couple friends that watch it and I talk about the Andrea and stuff like that. But um, otherwise, I'm just like tweeting into the ether and I okay. would love to talk to you about it. Amazing. Okay. I'm adding it to the list. Okay. So we did it. Don't forget to email us your AMA questions at oh, I like mm-hmm. that pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Oh, I Like That. Please rate us and review us.
You can also follow us on Twitter at oh, I like that pod or follow the two of us. I'm at the underscore R-E-W-M and Sally is at Sally T. Oh, I Like That is produced by Rachel and Sally and edited by Lucas. Amber Seeger, who is Rocket Orca on social media, designed our logo.